You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome to the Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and I'm in the studio today with Phil Zapeda, Catholic Charities Vice President of Communications. Good morning, Phil. Hey, good morning, Katie. It's great to be back with you. Absolutely. Studio. So delighted to have you here today. Uh, we are. We extend a warm hello to everyone who's listening on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. here in Chicago, and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. We've got a very important program, uh, as we usually do, to talk with you about today. Thanks for joining us. Since 1979, Catholic Charities Loss Program has been offering loving outreach to survivors of suicide. Now, 43 years later, Loss continues to offer a safe, non-judgmental environment where survivors of suicide can find community direction and resources for healing. Now, Father Charles Ruby founded the Lost Program, and he continues to be its leader today. And Father Ruby has a tremendous staff that continues to help survivors wherever they are in the grieving process. Lost really is one of the most uh, in- inspiring programs ever created at Catholic Charities. And, he- and here to provide an update on the Lost Program with us today is Emily Teigenkamp, who is a Lost Program coordinator. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much, Katie and Phil. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. Thank you. Welcome. We're so delighted to have you, Emily. Hey, Emily. Uh, let's let's start off with a with a pretty uh, simple but uh, softball question. Remind us, um, remind the audience about the goals of the loss program. Sure. Well, we like to say and remind folks that LOSS is a suicide bereavement program. So um, sometimes we do get calls from folks who are um, asking more about prevention services. And although we can make referrals for that, it's not our focus. Um, We do what we sometimes refer to as postvention. And so um, we are the folks who are there to offer support and to give messages of hope uh, for those who have lost a loved one to suicide. And um, that's one of the things that Father Ruby always, you know, kind of guides us in is that um, spreading a hopeful message is one of the the hallmark goals of our our entire program. Um, And we do that through connecting survivors with other survivors in our support group and offering, um, you know, individual counseling for traumatic loss. Um, And so it really is um, open for anyone who's had that that kind of loss, but we we work in bereavement uh, specifically for suicide. Now, uh, processing grief, we know, is a very personal uh, individualized thing. But there are some some common stages of grief that, that most people go through at different times and at different paces. Um, can you talk a little bit about those stages of, of grief and how does loss accompany people through those stages? 
Sure, Phil. I think that, um, you know, the stages of grief are something that it's just a very accessible thing. It's something that a lot of people have heard. Um, and so it's a, a good thing for us to talk about. And I think it's something that's widely understood. Um, and so when we talk about the stages of grief, um, traditionally, those were coming out of, um, you know, research that was done around people who, who were close to death, who were dying, um, and sort of came up with this theory of what are common emotions that people feel um, toward the end of life. And then they were sort of adopted to how people feel um, in the grieving process. And so you've probably heard anger, acceptance, bargaining, um, and, and some of those um, big common emotions. And that's sort of how we talk about them in the loss program. Um, so instead of talking about uh, the grief process as a linear um, sort of thing where people will kind of find themselves in these stages, what we often talk about um, are these stages of grief as being just common emotions that people um, experience after loss. Um, and so one of the things that, that we do a lot of is just normalizing and validating, um, letting people know that what they're experiencing is very normal, um, that they're, you know, even though these, these things are difficult to feel, they're not wrong, um, that there isn't anything, you know, wrong with the way that somebody is grieving. Um, but it's interesting because when we talk about those stages, one of the things that we deal with a lot and loss actually is guilt. Um, and guilt is a feeling that doesn't always arise after every kind of loss. And sometimes we talk about how, although all loss can be very sad, um, not all loss is tragic and not all loss is traumatic. Um, and that's the piece that we're working with in the loss program. And so that feeling of guilt um, is a, a really big one that our survivors experience and the loss program is sometimes the only outlet they have to talk about that. Um, and so we, we definitely accompany people. I, I like that you use that word um, because I think that's a big part of what we do. And I know that Emily uh, Loss was founded heroically by Father Ruby and three couples who had all lost a child to suicide. And they courageously approached Catholic Charities and said, we're going through this grieving process, uh, but we think there might be benefit in starting a program. And so I'm so inspired by that, those founding principles or that founding history of, of loss. Can you share with our audience, for those who might not be familiar, the many ways that loss has expanded through the years? Sure, Katie, and that's it's such a it's such a good point because I think um, learning about that history is really unique um, to know that it started with three families and then to look at how how much it has expanded. Um, and so those um, those three families started meeting in their homes and hosting support groups in their homes, um, and from there it sort of expanded. So as other survivors joined, um, they started a group on the south side where they 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 started kind of the budding program, um, and then it really did grow um, throughout the Archdiocese of Chicago um, to having several, several group locations, um, as well as uh, partnering with the Diocese of Joliet, the Diocese of Rockford, and the Diocese of Gary um, in order to host support meetings in, in a little kind of wider range for us. Um, but then we also added individual counseling, um, which is a big program that we have as well. All of our clinicians um, have a caseload of some individual counseling clients. Um, and then we added the loss program for children and youth. Um, and so we do offer services for, for youth and adolescents and for families um, in the ways of um, individual counseling, family counseling, and parent consultation. Um, and those services are very, very important. Um, parents are often looking for 
you know, a lot of guidance and, you know, they've been tossed into something that none of us know how to navigate. And now all of a sudden they're trying to help their kids through it too. And so, um, you know, offering services for children and teens has been a big expansion of our program. Um, and so I think that, um, yeah, we, we continued, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, a little bit later in, in our discussion um, and the ways that we've continued to expand our program and have a, continued to make it more accessible. Um, so No, it's, it's just wonderful how you've reached out uh, to identify how men and women exp uh, experience grief differently and adults and children exp experience grief differently. It's so beautiful, Emily, how you and your colleagues have identified those differences and made sure that there's programs uh, available for those who could benefit from them. Um, I know that an another part of your uh, expansion over the years is starting an annual brunch where all the uh, members of the Lost Community gather. And in recent years, you've had nine. 950, 1,000 people attend, um, and I know you just had your brunch this past Sunday um, in a virtual format. How did that 31st annual uh, Blossoms of Hope uh, Lost Brunch go? <laughs> How did that event go, Emily? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking about that, about that, Katie, because the, the brunch really is a very special event for loss. And as you mentioned, we just had our 31st annual brunch. Um, and the brunch is a very special occasion because although it is bringing survivors together in one room and um, there's always that that hope that people will connect with one another over over shared experiences. Um, one of the things that's so special about the brunch is that it's quite it's really an uplifting event. It's really meant um, to, you know, spread some some joy um, and to, you know, help others connect in a, in a positive environment where we have delicious food and lots of smiles and really inspirational speakers that come and join us. Um, and so it does definitely feel a little different to have to, to do that in a virtual platform, um, but we were just so pleased over these past three years um, that our lost members and our friends have chosen to join us on a virtual platform um, where we've still been able to share with one another and, you know, connect in that way. I'm seeing some beautiful photos of people that I recognize <laughs> um, scrolling through here too, um, and that's one of the things we miss in the virtual event is that we can't see everyone um, and know who's joining us, but certainly the spirit is still there, um, the giving spirit of our own members and, and wanting to, to support and connect. And I know a part of that Lost Brunch, Emily, is raising funds for the continuation of the Lost program. In fact, on the 40th anniversary of Lost, uh, Father Ruby st established an endowment fund. So again, that the that funds can continue to come in for those who'd like to contribute to the success of this program. Uh, for anybody in our audience who might have missed the virtual event um, or who would like to contribute to Lost, can you please share some information with us uh, so that folks who want to can uh, reach out and be part of the Lost Brunch even after the fact? Sure. Um, and that, that's a, a good point, Katie. We're, we're planning to keep this particular um, campaign open until mid-May. And so there's still plenty of time to donate for our Blossoms of Hope event. Um, if you are on the Catholic Charities website um, and you look up Blossoms of Hope, that's us. That's our, our program. Um, but we're also a, a pretty small program in terms of, of staff here at Catholic Charities. And so we're also easy to get in touch with. Um, so if someone were to call our, our main line, 
line, which is 312-655-7283, um, or send us uh, an email at loss at catholiccharities.net. We'd be very happy to have those discussions on how, how to walk somebody through making a donation or how to contact us. Um, but we definitely consider the brunch one of our biggest fundraising events. Um, and we're just so, so grateful to our members who are so generous in giving back um, and, and really, you know, using their um, connections to also raise money for the, the program. So um, definitely ways to donate. And if you contact us, we can certainly walk you through that. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Emily. I know that you have a um, wide array of individual and group sessions um, to help people express you know, their feelings um, to the extent that they're comfortable doing so. What additional resources do you off offer people who are suffering uh, after, uh, from being a survivor of suicide? What other resources besides the sessions? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, we have people call us for several different reasons. And um, sometimes that depends on um, who they've lost or how far along in their loss that they are. Um, but we really try to be flexible and sort of meeting people um, and, and, and helping them, you know, kind of meet the needs that they're expressing to us. And so um, we have folks who contact us, for example, out of state. Um, and although we have a virtual platform now where you're very welcome to join our support groups, um, our licensure doesn't allow us to do counseling out of state. And so we do a lot of resource referral um, and looking up um, resources for people closer to their area, um, if, especially if they're looking for counseling um, or if they're looking for um, perhaps individual services for their teen or for their child um, that they want in person. Um, but we also do consultation with schools, um, you know, in the aftermath of, of losing perhaps a student or a teacher. Um, and those things are always so tragic and make sure that people have um, the resources that they need after things like that, um, as well as consultation. Um, so sometimes we have folks who call us who just want to know, how do I talk about this with my friend who, you know, just lost her daughter? What do I say and what do I do? Um, and so sometimes we're just kind of talking through the language that we use, or we're talking about um, ways that we can sort of put somebody at ease about something or not put them on the spot. Um, and we're also contacted frequently by other parishes around the country um, who want to know how we implement the loss program and how um, they might be able to get something started in their area. Um, and so we just try really hard to sort of know what the resources are. Um, I think, you know, we've got a lot of social workers on staff, and I always think that's part of our job is to, you know, kind of know what's out there too, so that we can make those referrals. Um, but we always want to be a a, a stop for people if they're looking for resources. What a wonderful network you have built along with Debbie Major and Father Ruby um, and all your facilitators and all your volunteers. It's really quite impressive, Emily. Um, if you'll please bear with us, we're going to take a quick break here on The Voice of Charity. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation with Emily Camp about Catholic Charities Loss Program. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, 
to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. We are at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit, from servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the Archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Phil Zapeta with Catholic Charities. I'm joined here with Katie Bredeman, as usual. Uh, welcome back to Catholic Radio. We're here talking with our colleague, Emily Tegenkamp, who's coordinator of the LOSS program at Catholic Charities, which stands for Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide. Emily, welcome back for us. I want to, um, you, you touched upon this in the, the, the question that Katie asked right before we, we went to break. Um, a big part of what you do is allowing people to acknowledge and experience their own pain, right? Um, so that they can obtain some level of peace and acceptance of it. It sounds very simple, but it's very complex. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Sure, absolutely. And it, you're right. That's a it's a really complex question in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that that one of the the biggest thing things that we do is to hold space. Um, I think that the loss program is often the only place that people have to share their stories. Um, suicide in general can be very scary for people. It can be very uncomfortable to talk about. And although um, you know, I think our individual members are, are working to sort of fight that stigma. Um, we're definitely aware that this might be the only opportunity they have to talk about their loved one, to share their name, to talk about the pain that they're experiencing. And I think through that, when you have somebody who can, you know, look at you across a table or even across a computer screen um, and sort of nod their head and say, yeah, me too. Yeah, I went through that too. Or that sounds very similar to something I experienced. There's so much power there. And, and one of the, the things we always make sure is that um, we have peer facilitators in our groups, for example. Um, and so that we have someone all 
always who's a little further out from their grief, who can model that there is life with loss, that there is life after loss, that, you know, new experiences can happen and that that's okay. Um, and so I think sometimes just that that gentle accompanying people um, is really what helps with that, um, is just knowing that it's, it's okay to talk about and we give people space to do that. Yeah, those stories, I, I imagine, are so in, incredibly important in helping the survivors celebrate their 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 life of a loved one. What what advice or or wisdom would you impart to individuals, family members, and and friends to do that themselves? It's another another really good question, Phil, because you know one of the things that Father Ruby always says, and something we certainly agree with, is that we need to remember that our loved ones are so much more than how they died. And so I think a part of how we can celebrate their lives is remembering their full lives and the richness of their lives and the people that they touched and the people that they were connected to. And so I think a big piece of that is, you know, we concentrate a lot, of course, on anniversary days. Those are big, heavy days. But we also encourage people to acknowledge birthdays. Um, you know, because those are already celebratory days and that it's okay to still acknowledge, you know, the life of your loved one. And we encourage involving them in special events and special occasions, um, keeping them close, you know, through ritual, either by having a photo, um, sharing memories, sharing a name. Um, and I think, you know, just giving opportunities to speak your, your loved one's name can be so powerful. Um, and also in our publication that we, that we put out, we do have a section that's called Mention My Name. Um, and a part of that is also to celebrate the lives of loved ones, to have other people read those names um, and to acknowledge your loved one, maybe send up a prayer um, or just kind of, you know, a, a kind, warm thought for somebody else. Um, and I think it's another really beautiful way. But we certainly, you know, recommend please keep them in your, your family celebrations, you know, have a candle for them or, you know, you can set a place at the table for them still if you would like to, but um, to remember that they can still be a part of your lives, that those those relationships continue. And you mentioned the Obelisk publication, Emily, which is such an inspiring newsletter, you know, founded by your team many years ago. Um, can you please remind our audience the symbolism of that beautiful uh, obelisk figure uh, and how that newspaper helps to fulfill the goals of loss? Absolutely. So the, the obelisk is definitely the, the symbol for our, our program. Um, and we sort of talk about that as a, as a beacon of hope. Um, you know, that it's a, a symbol where um, people have to, to work together to put it into place and it sort of rises higher um, in the way that we hope that our, our hopes are, are kind of rising too. Um, and that it can sort of be something to look for. And it's, it's kind of funny um, because I have one that I keep with me um, here at home. That was a, actually a gift from my mom. Um, but because that symbolism is important and I think it's important for us to keep in mind. Um, and then the publication itself, um, I think is really rich. Uh, the articles that are shared are often um, written by survivors and share their survivor experience. And we also have a staff column um, where members of our staff can share sort of what's going on in the program or themes that are sort of coming up. Um, and it has a large readership and a large reach um, both online and in our paper publication. And so um, it's definitely reached a lot of people in a lot of different areas and hope that it's uh, bringing hope and, and inspiration um, to a lot of people. It's such a great publication, Emily. So kudos to you and the team for putting that together. You know, I, I often during the pandemic or as we're looking in these days of, of emerging from the pandemic to look at back at the, the silver linings that that we've seen um, throughout uh, sure. the, the last two years. So much has happened over the course um, of the pandemic. Um, positive things for the loss program that have helped 
more people learn about the work that you do. Can you explain a, a little bit about a, a few of those opportunities? Sure, and I have to um, say, Phil, that it wasn't without its challenges either. Um, so the LOST program, just like many other programs um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a lot of thinking to do um, and a lot of reworking to do to move a lot of our programs online and make them more accessible for folks. Um, and we have been pleasantly surprised um, that that has, has gone quite well. Um, I think at the beginning, people were a little hesitant to join us online. Um, I think it was intimidating maybe um, to be in a support group on a computer screen. Um, but what we found is that people have gotten significant support and that it's actually been um, really nice for a lot of folks to not worry about leaving their homes, um, to drive somewhere, to find parking, you know, in January in Chicago, um, looking for, for a support group. And so it, it, we found that it actually has become pretty accessible for folks. Um, and in doing that, we've actually been able to really expand our services for groups. And so we have welcomed folks I think the count now is 23 different states um, since the pandemic began. And so really from coast to coast, from New Jersey to Washington state um, to Florida, um, we've had someone join us from Singapore when he was on vacation. So um, it definitely makes it more accessible for, for folks now that we're virtual. And Emily, in the short time we have left, if anybody in our audience listening or watching today's show is suffering uh, as a survivor uh, of suicide from, you know, recently or many years ago, and if they're still struggling, what would you say to them? And, and how, uh, could you please remind them again how they can reach out and contact you and everybody on The Lost Team? Absolutely. You know, the, the one thing I will say is that um, I'm a survivor too, and that I was actually a client of the lost program before I came on staff. I lost my older brother. So um, and so I definitely oh, understand um, what it's like to pick up the phone and to make that call. And I always want people to know that there's going to be someone who understands, who can, you know, just offer some comfort and some support. Um, and so I, I just want folks to know that, you know, we have people who have utilized the program who are still here supporting us who, um, you know, really understand. And so um, we always welcome inquir inquiries from folks at any stage of their grief journey, whether it just happened, it happened years ago. Um, so you can contact us at 312-655-7283 um, or loss at catholiccharities.net. Those are the easiest ways to reach us. Emily, we're so grateful to you for being with us on the show today and reminding us of the vital work that you and the Lost team do. So thank you for your wisdom and, and the love that you pour into your job. Again, anyone in the audience knows of someone who could benefit from the Lost program, please call 312-655-7283 or email the Lost program at loss at catholiccharities.net. And we invite everyone back again for another uh, edition of The Voice of Charity next Tuesday. I, too, thank you, Emily, so much for being on the show today. Um, we thank everyone in the audience for tuning in and believing in the mission of Catholic Charities. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.